Welcome to Seizure Salad, Fuster Cluck Epilepticus. A salty, slightly cynical conversation about epilepsy, neurological disorders, and occasional random tangents. Together, we explore the synaptic jolts that short-circuit one's world and the mental and emotional fallout that comes from them. And if that sounds heavy, don't worry. We don't take ourselves too seriously. And now, Seizure Salad with your host and electrostatic meat sack, Micah B-Side. Hello, hello. Thank you, folks, for joining me. I'm your host, Electrostatic Meat Sack and Lab Rat. It's Mike B-Side. And today I've got a really, really cool guest. And the subject is something that I've been interested uh, ever since I was a teenager. So I want to welcome everybody to Len May. He is the CEO and co-founder of Endocana Health Incorporated. Mr. May brings more than 25 years of cannabis and genomics experience to Endocana Health. He's been a pioneer in the medical cannabis industry, and Len has been instrumental in shaping the current legislation and culture surrounding cannabis. I'm really, really interested to hear more about this. He's the president of the Cannabis Action Network and a board member and lifetime member of California Cannabis Association. Mr. May is currently also the chair of the CBDIA Science Board and is a stakeholder in some of the industry's most iconic brands. What I think most interesting to me is your revolutionary platform, EndoDNA, and I'm hoping this is something that we can get into as well. First off, Len, thank you so much for joining us today. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you. I just realized that my bio is way too long. <laughs> I got I to shorten it. And I, oh, I appreciate the, the cool guest uh, thing, too. So hopefully it's not just the technology, but it's uh, you know the T-shirt I'm wearing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that was I was paraphrasing that bio, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of questions I have. Um, and, you know, I've had some of my experiences and in, in reading some of your story, um, both on your bio and on your website. There are a lot of similarities that I really connected with in your story. So let's jump into this right away here. How exactly did you get into cannabis? Well, I got into cannabis because I was diagnosed with uh, ADD when I was a teenager. And I, I wanted to try cannabis, uh, not because I, I thought it was medicine or anything else, just because, you know, kids were doing it. It was a cool thing to do. But I was uh, hanging out with some older kids before school started. And by the way, when I got diagnosed, they put me on medication, uh, prescription medication. And some of it worked, I guess, to define what it means, it worked. It made me focus, but lost my uh, connection to self. So I didn't really feel any emotion. I was just kind of coasting through. And uh -huh. these kids uh, I was hanging out with, they said, uh, you want to smoke a cigarette before class? And I was like, yeah, it's cool. Kids smoke cigarettes. So let me, I was dabbling in the cigarettes. Uh, I don't smoke cigarettes now, but I was dabbling at that time. So I think I was about 14, maybe give or take. So they have one cigarette. That should have been a clue. And uh, passed it around. And I took a drag and I inhaled it, coughed a little bit. thought it was tasting a little weird, not what I'm used to. So I took another one and uh, they're laughing at me. Like, oh, you know, we and they, they took the cigarette and filled it with weed. <laughs> so uh, when I went back to class, took two hits. So I'm not sure if I was really high but all I know is that the windows that are usually open in my brain 
uh, like the tabs in your computer, it started shrinking and I could focus. So I'm like, oh, well, I like this. Plus, it's helping me. But I never talked to anybody about the medicinal aspects that I was getting. And so I was consuming cannabis for a while. And then what happened was uh, my parents kept catching me over the years. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was when I was uh, uh, just about 18, uh, they ended up saying to me, well, you know, you're going to have to leave. But they actually called the cops on me. Oh, so man. Had cops come to my house. This is all for cannabis. And the irony of this is they both consume products that we manufacture now. They're fans of what we do. But, you know, this is this is years ago. So uh, they called the cops. Two female uh, police officers came in. And uh, the one was like, you know, we should, get you, we should have you arrested. Like, well, I, I only have a little bit under anything under 28 grams of misdemeanor. You know, I'm a minor. So she said, smart he's a smart ass if it was my kid i would kick him the curb oh man so uh that's exactly what they did and uh, i was out on my own at that time but the the second experience with cannabis as medicine and i was consuming cannabis almost on a daily basis at that time but uh, i i need to get a job so i got a job i was going to uh Kids don't know what this existed back in the day, but it was a record store and it was called Tower Records. Oh, oh. so I uh, I got a job. I, I would buy records all the time. And I went in and I was talking to one of the guys there that I knew worked there. And he's like, get a job here. So I applied, got a job as a cashier at Tower Records. And uh, right on. Which, uh, and then the perks of that, I made $7 an hour, by the way. But the perks of that is you get invited to concerts and all that stuff. So, I got to go to this thing called the Horde Festival, H O R D E. Yes. Bands like Blues Traveler, uh, Ziggy Marley, Black Crows were headlining. And there was a group of kids that had a banner. It said Cannabis Action Network. I was like, oh, cool, cannabis. Let me go and talk to them. So they, uh, they were from San Francisco, I think. And uh, I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, well, we're getting people registered to vote. I'm like, great. Okay. What else are you doing? Registering people to vote. Okay. So I became the president of the Cannabis Action Network and I held a rally at Independence Hall in Philadelphia. My keynote speaker was this woman named Elvie Masika. She was one of the first people to get federally prescribed cannabis under NIDA program that most people don't know existed. But at the height, I think there was about 16 people that get got federally prescribed cannabis that were allowed to use cannabis as medicine. Now, the cannabis they were allowed to use was cultivated in Mississippi, University of Mississippi, under a NIDA program. Uh, probably had about 4 to 7% THC at the most. And to give everybody an example, right now, an average cannabis uh, cultivar would be somewhere in the mid-20s. And they go and concentrates go a lot higher than that. So yep. n- not realistic cannabis that people would normally cultivate, but that's the one that you could use for research purposes. Uh, also, it was rolled in a cigarettes in the location. We don't know where it was rolled in uh, somewhere in North Carolina. You know, I suspect one of the tobacco companies or who knows, uh, it comes in a metal tin with a USDA label. So LV happened to light one of those up in front of federal rangers in um in Independence Hall were the Constitution Declaration of Independence. By the way, on on hemp paper at the time, she lit up in front of federal rangers. And I was like, yes, this is back in 1993, 94. And I was like, 
wonderful. This is going to happen. Nobody's saying anything. It's legal, but you know, it took many years. So everybody stayed in my house the uh, for that night, and we got woken up to a loud noise, and there was a crash. And it was like, what was that? I was dating this girl. She was an artist. She made a sculpture. It was, had all these spikes going through it. LV happened to walk into the sculpture in the morning and break into pieces. And the reason why is because she had degenerative, she has degenerative glaucoma. I think there's probably about three or four people are left in this program that are still alive, but uh, she's one of them. She has uh -huh. degenerative glaucoma. She couldn't see at all until she medicated with cannabis. And that wow. was my second aha moment. I was like, wait a second. It's medicine for me, for my attention deficit disorder, whatever it was. It's medicine for her, for a glaucoma. So how does that even work? It's completely two different conditions, unrelated, but this one plan is helping both of us. And that sort of started my whole journey trying to figure it out. Wow. Wow. That is so cool. And, you know, when I was younger, um, my epilepsy was actually misdiagnosed, um, ADHD, attention disorders, bipolarity, things like that, and anxiety. Um, well, actually, the anxiety was real, but the anxiety developed from having folk, small focal seizures and feeling different and out there. Um, but when I started smoking, uh, I was just a little bit younger than you, but the same thing happened to me. Um, it just, it tended to kind of get that peripheral noise out of the way so I could really dial in. Um, but then, and this leads to what you were talking about with the uh, young lady with the glaucoma sometimes different strains didn't do the same thing to me and you know everybody thinks indica or sativa you know and it's just going to be a blanket thing um but i found over the years that that's less of the case so much as it is and it's not even the intensity of it you know i've had some 18 percent that knocks me silly whereas a 28 percent doesn't do the same thing um, so reading a little bit more about this, I'm starting to understand, and this is where I want to talk a little bit about DNA. Why DNA? So my experience with cannabis, I've been in this space for I don't know, 26, 27 years, but basically on and off because it was illegal when I lived in Philadelphia. So my, uh, my girlfriend at the time who became my, my ex-wife now told me I, it's time for me to get a real job. So I went to work for a company called Price Waterhouse and then uh, PwC for a little while. Did some venture capital. Then I worked for a uh, as a real estate broker, commercial real estate broker, and okay. uh, that led me out to LA. And I got into my like, great. I'm here in the place where you know cannabis basically uh, the legalization movement started. And I thought the best way for me to get involved is in a dispensary space. So through real estate, met these guys. It was just bound to happen. The universe connected us together. I got into the dispensary business and just along the way. And we had five dispensaries that were called Kush Kingdom, all under the same brand with the exclusive home of Corrupt Kush and Method Man's Black at OG. So really hip hop focused. My, my passion is always the medicinal aspects of the plant. But to go along with what you're saying, I had another moment where one of my partners uh, said he wanted to consume some cannabis. So great, we have some, uh, you know, sativa dominant hybrid. And he said, no, 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 that stuff puts me to sleep. It's like, wait, no, 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 sativa up indica in the couch. I, I know that it's like, he goes, no, not for me. I'm like, interesting. It does the opposite for him. 
So I started noticing that two people would consume the same cultivar or strain, and they have a completely different experience. Um, so I started getting upset. I'm like my type of ADD is like all over the place or hyper-focus on what that is that's stimulating dopamine. So I became obsessed with trying to figure this out. I came across a video by a guy named Kevin McKernan, who's one of the first people to genetically sequence cannabis. And I reached out to Kevin. Anyway, we got a, a chance to meet. And he said, come on board. He was the chief science officer of a company called Medicinal Genomics in uh, the Boston area. So I came on board. And my job was to travel around the U.S. and uh, and get plant material from all the best growers, bring it back to my lab, extract the DNA, and send it to a sequencer. So now we could start seeing these names of these strains that we're giving them. They don't mean anything. It's all about the cannabinoid and terpene profile because there's no land races anymore. <clears throat> we inbred these uh, these cultivars, these chemical varieties. So the while I started looking, seeing like I would get five samples of Blue Dream. Blue Dream is a, a name of uh, a cannabis strain, a cultivar, pretty common, been around right. for a long time. Well, I can see that two of them are pretty close to being identical to what the Blue Dream genetic profile is. Close. There's a little bit of genetic drift. Two other ones are crosses. So there is Blue Dream in them, but they're not Blue Dream. They're crossed with something else, and they're still calling it Blue Dream. The fifth one has no resemblance to Blue Dream at all, but they're still called Blue Dream. So I started understanding that it's the cannabinoid profile, all the majors, the minors, all the terpenes, they actually determine the experience. However, that experience also matches with the human DNA. And the uh, the parent company of medicinal genomics was called Cortigen Life Sciences. And they did something called pharmacogenomics, which is basically using DNA to guide people to a predisposition to different diseases. Uh, so cancer, epilepsy, right. uh, autism, et cetera. And uh, they had a meeting with doctors uh, from all over the U.S., <clears throat> maybe some other places too, at Harvard Medical, they were treating kids with epilepsy using cannabis. And they had great ex success from 100 seizures to zero. However, some of the kids, the seizures were either coming back or it wasn't really working for them that well. And uh, when we genetically started looking at uh, those uh, genotypes, we started seeing that they had a pattern in common for a predisposition to a different type of epilepsy called Dravet syndrome, childhood epilepsy. So it's okay. not just seizure disorder. It's a really specific one. And that's when I had my moment said, okay, we have plant genetics here. We have human genetics here. Let's see if we can create something that'll help guide people based on their genetic predispositions to actually either not turn certain things on or to turn certain things off based on our consumption of cannabis. So we have a really personalized experience with our cannabis use. So that's basically why DNA. Wow. Wow. Um, and this uh, this is kind of cool. This this completely ties in with your mission to make cannabis personal. I really like that. And, um, you know, I, I my younger brother has epilepsy as well. His broke through when he was 22. Mine broke through 25 years later when I was 47. And um, we've often talked about why. And our our epilepsy is is because of a, a genetic 
um, function between our two parents. Like if our parents weren't married or or didn't have us, it, we, their kids wouldn't have had it. Um, takes two parents for our type of, of epilepsy. Um, but then the genetic component of it doesn't necessarily transfer into the long term. And my younger brother is, is pretty convinced that there, I, because I continued to be a daily smoker uh, through my adulthood, he feels that that probably had a lot to do with keeping the focal seizures from breaking into full-blown tonic-clonics. Um, and I've, I'm kind of up in the air about it. And I think a lot of it is because you, you know, until now, I really didn't know a whole lot between human uh, genomics and then the plant genomics. Uh, so this explains a lot. And instead of being a blanket, you hear it in the epilepsy community oftentimes. You know, you hear it as, as oh yeah, smoking will just totally take care of it. If not the if not the seizures themselves, then the side effects and the symptoms and the after effects. But you get a lot of kickback. Well, didn't work for me. That didn't work for me. Oh, that doesn't do shit to me. So this explains a little bit of it. And how do you think, how do you, do you like, how do we make it personal? How do we make personal, not only cannabis, just DNA in general? I'm, I'm familiar with the pharmacogenomics yeah. and it, it's way to help you with, with medicines and stuff going forward. Correct. So how does this apply with, you, you explained it a little bit, um, yeah. but can you go into a little more depth there? Yeah, absolutely. I, first of all, it goes way beyond cannabis. And I think to start explaining to the audience, uh, and, and I'm not a geneticist, I'm not a doctor, so I'm going to do my best uh, you know, version of playing one on TV so I can explain uh, DNA in general. And, and, and Mikey, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, about the recessive genes and what you get from your parents. So just to kind of explain in lay terms what I understand. Uh, when we're born, we have our genetics that are passed on from our parents, 50% from our mother, 50% from our father. Now, the genetics that we're talking about, the DNA, is encoding programming that is in our genes, in our and that programming is for us specifically. So 99.9% .9 of us are identical. It's that 0.1% that really makes a difference. However, just because you have a genetic predisposition, it doesn't mean that it's going to turn on or epigenetically express itself. <clears throat> and the way that it works is when you have a genetic predisposition, uh, some of them, when we're born, those some of those genetic um, or epigenetic expressions turn on. So like... Uh, our hair color, our skin color, our eye color, those things are on. They're, they're turned on and we're expressing them. Now, certain things are dormant. And what happens is based on lifestyle, based on things that we do, there's a messenger RNA that goes to the cell, tells the cell to create certain proteins so they can turn things on and off. And the way that our genes communicate uh, it's sort of like computers have a binary code, ones and zeros, and all we see is a you know user interface. Well, yeah. genes have four letters. They're called nucleotides, a C, a T, an A, and a G. Those specific letters are our genotype, and that's what really makes us unique. So we understand what we're genetically programmed for as the unique self, but then our lifestyle, what we do, can turn those on-off switches 
based on what we do. So some of them could be uh, what we put in our body, how we feed ourselves, food. Food is a huge uh, way to be able to control epigenetic expression. Certain things you know, create additions to methyl groups, turn protein expression on, certain things turn off. So if we have a predisposition to, you know, God forbid, cancer, we want to make sure knowing about this, that we keep that switch off. But if we have a predisposition and we decide to eat a lot of fast food, you know, the general American diet, well, guess what? That may be a trigger for that expression. Also exposure to heavy metals, uh, other toxins, those are all triggers. And, and certain medications and drugs. Cannabis happens to be one of them. Well, if you're a predisposition to stress or anxiety, for instance, and you're predisposed to that, and you take, and, and THC, by the way, which is the active, uh, you know, the, the one that gets us high, I guess, uh, cannabinoid, when that binds to your CB1 receptor, which is mostly located in our, in our central nervous system, in our brain, it releases an antimite. Anandamide is the word anon in Sanskrit means bliss. So this is our bliss hormone. And that's the one that we feel like when we get the runners high and all that stuff. And that's what THC does. But it's got a very narrow therapeutic window. So if we take too much, and when I say too much, it depends on our individual amount, what we need ourselves. Now you have sort of quote unquote free radicals. Uh, of those anandamide that's floating and your body is responding to that. So it could respond to that. Uh, oh, it turned on my stress uh, hormone and it's, you know, creating more cortisol. It triggered uh, stress, it triggered some PTSD or it triggered a depressive state, mood, something of that nature. So it all depends on what it is individually. You know, when you're talking about uh, pharmacogenomics, well, get Drug-to-drug interaction is really important too. So if you're on any kind of medication, there's certain cannabinoids that can inhibit or you know a, or or can actually induce that medication. So we had a, a and, and this is not just cannabis. It's all about precision medicine. Like I'm a big believer. And I'll, I'll tell the story and then I'll let you ask this question because uh, I just think it's stories are the way I remember things. And what motivates me and creates, uh, you know, my passion for what I do. Uh, when I was a kid, my grandfather had a bunch of strokes. He would have one after the other. After, but one of the things I remember, my grandmother would would have these two bags of pills of medications. And every uh, few weeks, she would be on the phone, and my mom would be on the phone with doctors. This medication is causing this adverse effect. This it's like a one size fits all. We're it's a guessing game. And it doesn't need to be that way because now with the technology that we have, I want to know, even over the counter, I want to know exactly what I should take, how much of that is right for me. And it's not just about body weight. It can be about metabolic function. How do we metabolize? I can be, you know, 120 pounds, but I can be a poor metabolizer and I need uh, very little or vice versa. All these things are personalized. And now with the technology, doing whole genome sequencing, uh, doing specific formulations, and then being able to measure that through epigenetic responses, through biometric uh, feedback, all those things will guide you know, artificial intelligence to start creating these archetypes. And maybe something that's for me is not for you and vice versa. And to this, from now, like up until now, Everything is a one-size-fits-all model, and it's we're all different. And that's why genetics, epigenetics, biometrics, all these things come together 
Cannabis is only a part of it. And the reason why cannabis, because I think people don't understand, the, number one, the way drugs work and that we have this endocannabinoid system. And I don't blame him because it was only discovered in 1992. I gave a talk to a bunch of doctors and some of the doctors were questioning whether there's actually a system like this. Well, you're going to medical school. They're not teaching you about the endocannabinoid system. It's, it's sort of ridiculous. And we equate this thing to, you know, this drug cannabis, but it's not about the drug cannabis. It's about what goes on inside our bodies. As so I, I like to use an example of like cocaine. All right. Everybody knows cocaine is a drug. Cocaine is addictive, all that stuff. It's nothing to do with cocaine. Cocaine is a is a vehicle. So when we consume cocaine, it does two things. Number one, it squirts a uh, hundred times more dopamine into our bloodstream than we normally would uh, secrete ourselves unless we're you know jumping out of an airplane or something like that. And it blocks the reuptake of that dopamine. So now you're having all this dopamine. What's the most addictive drug in the world? Well, it's dopamine. And it's yeah. And our brain wants more and more of that. And the, and that's, and you know, when, when it actually dissipates, now our brain says, hey, I'm lazy. I don't want to create my own dopamine. Give me some more of that. But cannabis works in a, in a similar way because it actually binds to receptors we have in our bodies, CB1 and CB2 receptors, and releases our own endogenous endocannabinoids, anandamide and 2-AG. And you think about it, we evolved over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. There are certain things in our evolution process that went away. They're no longer part of our bodies. We've evolved out of that. Well, the, the endocannabinoid system did not. It's still part of us, and those receptors are still part of us. So we evolved with this plant, and we're still evolving with this plant. So there's a need for this plant. I, I have a, a, a belief in this whole deficiency of our own endogenous endocannabinoids because through prohibition, we no longer cultivate hemp. We no longer cultivate, we are now starting, but I meant for all those years, we didn't. So in our diets, we were missing those nutrients that we get from the plant. And hence the expression, of a lot of these conditions, I believe is, is tied to some of these uh, deficiencies that we are not producing ourselves. And to subsidize, and it's not about just getting high, it's about subsidizing with a, a supplement that we should normally take on a daily basis and not being able to do that is expressing some of these conditions as well. Wow, wow, that is so cool. It, I, I've heard a little bit about having receptors in our body for uh, cannabis or cannabis. Um, and so to hear it again from someone who's, who's worked in the industry for years is, is it, it's like reassuring. It's like, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. That that's no longer a myth in my brain. Um, you were, you were talking about the blanket kind of thing. And, uh, it, I really connected with that because I went through over the last three and a half years from it breaking through into now from 2019 till now I've gone through 14 different medications for my seizures in countless numbers of different ratios and cocktails. Um, and my doctors actually said when, when I first got diagnosed, uh, you know, I told them my habits are like, okay, probably cut down or quit alcohol because it's not good. Uh, definitely quit smoking. Cigarettes are bad. And then I was like, okay, well, I told you I was a daily smoker. What about that? You know, daily, daily cannabis smoker. They're like, don't worry about that right now. They, because it's a federal funded thing, they couldn't say per se anything, but I, I took that as a, as a thumbs up, just 
just keep doing that because that's probably helping you out. Um, but it's almost like, you know, you, you go, I'm going alternative. I'm going to go and, and smoke cannabis instead of taking these medicines. But the whole blanket approach and, and throwing, throwing pills at you like spaghetti on the wall until something sticks. Uh, what I'm hearing through this conversation is that you're kind of doing the same thing with cannabis. If you don't know what you're doing or why it's beneficial to get in there. So I, I like to use this, this quick story. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a uh, grandma, Mary. So she got diagnosed with cancer and she uh, was living in an assisted living facility. She started chemo and she watched Dr. Sanjay Gupta uh, talk about the benefits of cannabis for the side effects of chemo. So that she decided and she tried cannabis and she's in her, I think, 80s or late 70s. She tried cannabis like 50 years ago, let's say. Uh, he went to a dispensary. Uh, the butt tender there said, hey, you know, take some of these gummies. They're easy to digest. Uh, they're easy to eat. But take it easy, Grandma. Take one and see what happens. So Grandma went. She took a gummy. I don't know how many milligrams. Let's say 25. Let's have 10. I don't know how many milligrams it was. She waited and waited. Nothing was happening. She waited some more. And all of a sudden, she started feeling really high. And she started feeling so high that she had a psychotic episode. She had an, a disassociative experience. Oh. And not only did she tell, she's like, I'm not staying away from devil's lettuce, but she started telling people, don't consume this. This is dangerous. Now, after taking a DNA test, she found out a couple of things. Number one, she's a poor metabolizer of uh, THC. So- uh. First pass metabolism, your liver converts delta 9 THC, which is the decarboxylate version of uh, THC. It converts it to something called 11 oxyhydroxide. So when you consume an edible, it can be five to 50 times more powerful for certain people wow. uh, because there's a conversion and a binding uh, to that CB1 receptor in your brain. Number two, she also had the stress genes, stress reactivity, uh, PTSD. So not only did it take the experience that she had, she probably thought of the experience she had 50 years ago and exacerbated that as well. And also she had a gene, which is AKT1, which is associated with psychosis. And so it triggered that. After going through the test, she got a completely different formulation, which is more one-to-one CBD to THC. It'll work as an antagonist, a different terpene profile, which is the essential oils in the plant. And she actually w- was going around chemo, giving our card out to the other people saying, you have to try this because it really helps my side effects. And the best thing she wrote, I, I remember she texted me. She said, thank you so much. It helped me be me again. Yeah. That's the goal. And that's the reason why we do what we do. Right, right. Oh, man, God bless her. I'll tell you what, because that's one of my goals. That's one of my goals. And, you know, you could go in. um, Looks like the Zoom is telling me we got a little less than 10 minutes here. So got to love that free 40-minute Zoom. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll stop being stingy and actually pay for it here soon. But um, one thing I'm wondering, and this kind of goes back a little bit to your ex- your experience with Blue Dream and testing the genomics of the Blue Dream. Now, let's say I got my um, I got my DNA panel done. Okay, so I've got a good idea of of what foods, what what medicines and other things that turn certain um, points on and certain points off. Well, how can you go in? You say, okay, I know this terp helps. I know that 
you know, this strain tends to be a good. How can you match that with something in a dispensary that may or may not be what it's called? So what we do is we look at the cannabinoid and terpene profile, the ratio of that. Uh, in an, in the marketplace, we also use certificates of analysis of test results of different products. We run that through an algorithm and we show you how close that product matches the suggested ratio based on your genetics. So when you know what your genetic profile is, what's aligned with you, let's say, you know, Grandma Mary, one-to-one with linalool and beta-caryophyllin as a primary and secondary terpene profile. So whether you have the ability, you're living in California, you can see those things, or you live in a different state that's less selection, you can actually go into a dispensary and ask them for those products that have you know, the a balanced ratio of cannabinoids and, uh, and terpenes. It's not an exact science. And the reason why cannabis has been so difficult is over 400 different constituents to it. The pharmaceutical industry is getting on board. They're having a really hard time. They're accelerating psychedelics because if you're taking, uh, you know, psilocybin mushrooms, you're talking about one single molecule. It's psilocin, psilocybin, binds to a receptor, you get an effect. Cannabis, over 400 different constituents. So which combination of those is actually working in the individual and we're getting to the point where we're trying to find that out. The best way that we've seen research and consumption is when it's done through uh, specific formulations. So tinctures, sublinguals, that means there's consistency to that for formulation every single time. So you don't have to worry about you know, going in and getting a, a strain. Maybe it has genetic drift. It's not the same as it was last time. If you're getting that tincture or that soft gel, it's consistent every single time, but look for those test results for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. That is so incredible. Um, you know, I don't know how much time we, cause I have a really bad sense of timing with my brain the way it is, but, uh, before, before it cuts us off, I definitely want to just let our listeners know you can learn a lot more about this and get more in depth at Len's website, endodna.com. That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com. Check it out. Um, and I'll leave that in the description as well, as long as the description to, uh, to your make make cannabis or excuse me make cannabis personal page um that way people can get a little more in-depth idea of that yeah making uh, making cannabis uh personal is the name of my book okay so that's right go, yeah anybody can go order that on amazon wherever they get books and i also have a podcast called everything is personal uh you know if you want to check out some of my content I like that. And and it definitely, you know, for anybody who thinks everything is personal, is this guy really sensitive? No, this has to do with, with the- I am um, very sensitive too. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in the future? What what do you guys got planned for, uh, coming up? Any any big goals or- Yeah, I mean, we, we just got awarded our patent uh, two weeks ago. So we're the only company that has a patent on technology that uses DNA to guide people to personalized recommendations. With the, cool. with the cannabinoid system, we just expanded that to using machine learning. So the, the future is this. We're going to focus on clinics and providing software to support a uh, precision medical uh, uh, program. So basically, you get swabbed. You have your own personalized protocol, not only phytocannabinoids, 
your own nutrients, your own vitamins, your own supplementation, hormone optimization, whatever that is, it's personalized to you. Then measuring the efficacy of that, integrating, you know, biometric devices like your Fitbit, your Oura Rings, uh, you know, one of our devices, and then doing methyl, exactly doing methylation tests on that to see what the expression is and then using machine learning so they can make, so we can start creating archetypes and make better predictive inferences. So the idea is truly precision medicine using technology. And then the intervention uh, would be with healthcare professionals. So healthcare professionals through telemed, through other would be able to use the service and then be able to have a collaborative uh, intervention with their patients. Cause right now the doctor says, take two of these and call me okay, doc, I'll take two of these. But now you're looking at the same thing the doctor's looking at and you're looking at your biometrics say, this worked for me. This didn't work for me. We can tweak this, we can tweak that. So you're actually looking at true functional and integrated medicine the way I always thought it should be done anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I mean, dictionary-wise, it's the dictionary definition of integrative medicine, most definitely. Hey, man, thank you so much. Uh, Len May, CEO, co-founder of Endocana Health Incorporated. Website is endodna.com. And he is an author of the book, Making Cannabis Personal. Did I get the first part right? Making Cannabis? You got it all right. We got all of it right on. Um, I would love to have you back and talk a little bit more in a month or two. And Sure. I'd love to right. Well, I appreciate it, man. I, I thank you so much for giving me the platform to share. I think it's really important for people to understand and get better control of their healthcare. I think yeah. during COVID, we learned a lot of different things about uh, and got comfortable with telemed, but we learned where some of the failures of the healthcare system are. And let's take better control and empower yeah. ourselves with knowledge so we can help ourselves uh, you know, have a better outcome, nice. better health span, add more years of healthy life not just more years of life right right years of life not just years of existence exactly that's it right on man well hey we'll catch you uh we'll catch you here real soon we'll we'll set up another session and uh ladies and gentlemen thanks for listening you know the routine um check out len may and his information in the description and uh we'll catch you next time this is to my sick kids time to flip this shit depakote adderall ritalin pixie sticks i don't give a fuck what you're riding to the setting sun use it as a weapon when it's said and done it's all too much seizure salad fuster clock epilepticus is produced and hosted by michael ball original logo and graphic designed by alba lopez the song seizure boy courtesy of watsky and used with permission find more great music and poetry on his website georgewatsky.com follow our podcast like our facebook page whatever blows your hair back just keep listening and join us again soon for another episode of seizure salad until then remember to unexpect the expected that's all in your head take a minute to the whip and then i'm gonna mash on gas because i'll be crushing that impasse with that ass syntax skinny motherfucker off a bucket of slim fast